You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. We have to be like the psalmist who prayed, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Sometimes the way you sing kind of reveals your heart, doesn't it? Is your heart steadfast? Is it strong? Are you all out for Christ or has it gotten whittled down throughout the week because you've been listening to all the wrong voices? Listen, it's our responsibility to focus on the doctrines of the faith and one of those doctrines is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Strong muscles, arms, legs, heart. Yes, that's right. If you have strong convictions, are you likely to be dissuaded? Probably not. Pastor Tom continues today to paint a picture of what it looks like to live in the knowledge that Jesus will make good on his promise to come again and we must be ready. No one and no thing will help us get to the place we need to be. Patience and a strong heart will. This world needs to see that no matter what life throws at you, it's worth it to continue to see the end. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Second Coming of Christ Inspires Christian Endurance. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. The rain will come. Christ will come. Dr. Hebert says the pious believer recognizes that the spiritual harvest that we anticipate also is dependent on the intervention of God in human affairs. It's going to come. God will intervene. Things will not go on, on and on the way they are. God is faithful. Jesus will break the clouds. He promised he would. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's how the whole Bible ends. One more verse. Revelation 22, 20. By the way, this very principle of waiting on the reliance of God and the faithfulness of God to send the rains is embedded in the law of God in the Old Covenant to the Jews in Deuteronomy 11. I'll read to you verses 13 through 17. It shall come about if you listen obediently to my commandments, which I am commanding you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that he, that is the Lord, will give the rain for your land in its season, the early and late rain that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. He will give grass in your fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Beware that your hearts are not deceived and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them, or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the ground will not yield its fruit, and you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. That was their warning. The rain came because of God's faithfulness. And they needed to remain true to him. Well, after giving his example, James returns to his main exhortation. You, therefore, also, you too, be patient. How can I be patient? How can I endure? Because you know what's coming is better. When you know what's coming is better, you don't settle for less. You wait for the better stuff. Trying to create a utopia now through government and, and all this political action is it's foolishness. It completely misunderstands what the Christian message is about. When it's all going to be transformed by Jesus Christ, why do we settle for less? 1 John 3, beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared, not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him 
just as he is. Everyone who has this hope fixed on Christ purifies himself just as he is pure. 2 Corinthians 4.17, momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Romans 8.18, again, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. Earlier in the letter, James said that we would receive the crown of life, chapter 1, verse 12. We will be endowed with life and glory, but not yet. Not yet. Not now. Now, we need patience. And with patience, we're going to need the strengthening of our hearts. Do you see that? Not only patience, but along with patience, strengthening our own hearts. Strengthen is the verb stenazo. It means to fortify, to stiffen, to provide some kind of solid support. When Paul was using this word for what his apostolic ministry could do for a church, he talked about establishing the church. Bring strength, bring something concrete to it. With that strength, then we're able to stay the course. We're able to keep to the path. We're able to keep fervent in what we're doing for the Lord. And what is it that needs to be strengthened? Uh, Here's where you really need to listen. What is it that needs to be strengthened? Your own hearts. Your own hearts. And we talk about things that need to be strengthened, like uh, the church budget. You know, things that need to be strengthened, like more workers in the nursery. The main thing that needs to be strengthened is your own heart. That's it. In other words, if you endure, you're not going to be faint of heart. Already in James, we've heard about the heart and how important the heart is. We were told back in chapter 1, verse 26, don't deceive your own heart by listening to the word of God, listening to sermons, and then not applying them. In chapter 4, verse 8, we were told it was our responsibility to purify our own heart. The heart is at the center of who we are. Now, we're told it is our responsibility to strengthen our own hearts. Do you ever feel weak? Do you ever feel wobbly about your commitments, about your goals, men, about the things that you've committed to do, about your faith, about your quiet time, about your commitment to prayer, about your resolve to do ministry? Do you ever get tired? Do you ever feel your tongue is languishing? Are you ever like that? You need to strengthen your hearts. The work is going to remain the same all the way until the grave, until the Lord comes. You need to strengthen your heart. How are we supposed to do that? What does strengthening the heart involve? Well, mostly from the context, it is to deepen your confidence in the second coming of Christ. You need to know for sure Christ is coming and it's worth it. That's why I open by asking you, is it worth it to you? When you think about the second coming of Christ and you think about what you will be rewarded with, are you really believing that? Do you really see that? Can you really taste that? Because then it's worth it to you. The world's not going to help you with that. The world's not going to help you. You know, uh, hey, you Christians ought to be excited. Soon uh, Jesus is going to come back and you're going to get a great reward. Do you think anyone like that is doing that for you? Does talk radio do that for you? Does CNN do that for you? Does your, your college course do that for you? Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. By the way, all their doctrines are to fulfill their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of Jesus' coming? That's mocking. Oh, so uh, you're still waiting for Jesus? It's been a while, hasn't it? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. That's not true. 
there was a flood. You need to reject the scoffers. You need to reject the message of the scoffers. You know better. You know his promises. You know what's coming. Your faith has to have resolve. Your faith has to have legs. You have to strengthen your knees and strengthen your heart and say, I know what's coming. I know what's happening. Christ is coming. When I believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ, no, when I can almost taste the second coming of Jesus Christ, that strengthens my heart to do whatever God asks me to do. Strengthen your hearts. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a long wait. Strengthen your hearts. There's going to be evil men. They're going to mock the coming of Christ. Strengthen your hearts. It's going to be a long, long time. Some people are going to start to get distracted and say, I don't know why we're talking about eschatology and end time things. We Christians need to get busy doing X, Y, and Z. No, strengthen your hearts. Sing Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Keep the vision of the glory of the coming of Christ before you. That will strengthen your resolve. Lord, haste the day when my faith will be sight. The clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. Even so, it is what? Well with my soul. Strengthen your hearts with truth. We must be strong. This is not a time for weak Christians. This is not a time for weak Christians and weak churches that sit around going, well, how are we going to be able to do this? This is a time for strong people to take strong, bold stands for Christ and for his gospel. Strength is needed in the Christian life. The night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus' heart was all for his disciples. He knew how Satan was going to wreak havoc with their faith. He turned to Peter, the the leader among the leaders, and he said, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Make them strong. Christianity is for the strong, not for the weak. He saved us so we would be strong, not cowards. The Christian life is for military men, for men who want to stand up for Christ, for hardworking farmers, for good soldiers. You have to be strong in the midst of this world. He rose from the dead to take away the fear of death from you. What else do you have to be afraid of? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. How are we going to advance the ministries of this church if you're not strengthened? If you're not strong inwardly? You have to reject the message of the world and be strong for Christ. Dear God, some of you are wasting time and you need to be stronger. To the church in Sardis, Jesus clapped, wake up and strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. We have to be like the psalmist who prayed, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises.
Sometimes the way you sing kind of reveals your heart, doesn't it? Is your heart steadfast? Is it strong? Are you all out for Christ or has it gotten whittled down throughout the week because you've been listening to all the wrong voices? Listen, it's our responsibility to focus on the doctrines of the faith and one of those doctrines is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when we focus on the doctrine of the heavenly kingdom coming to earth and the glory of Christ and all the promises he made and that that faithfulness is towards us and that's the tangible way of him showing his love for us and that he did not forget us, that gets us excited and strong. No wonder Paul prays, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we're weak and feeble and it feels that our attempts to make ourselves strong are weak, there's the Holy Spirit to reinforce what our spirit needs and to bring that hope and that strength to us. He strengthens our hearts. All the strengthening comes by thinking of the second coming of Christ, believing in the second coming of Christ. It does more than just help us with evil people. It does more than just help us endure all the foolish decisions that are made in society. It does more than that. It fuels a fire inside and says, count me in. I want to I use my gift for Christ. I want to witness more, worship more, serve more. I want to get the word out. I want to fulfill the purpose of the church. Why aren't there more going on the med mission? Why aren't there more serving? Some of your hearts are weak. You're weak. Well, I'm just overwhelmed with life. You need strength. This eclipses every issue. I'm not exaggerating. On that day, none of you will be saying, wow, my work was too hard. You'll only be saying, why didn't I work more for Christ? What was wrong with me? Why didn't I avail myself of the strength that was given to me? I was just, woe is me. I just do so much. I'm just so tired. You don't know. It's so hard with the kids. Please. Of course it's hard. It's meant to be hard. It tests us. It tries us. But we have power. We have Christ. We have gospel. We have spirit. How are we supposed to respond to evil people? Well, we can stop shopping at Target. That's your choice. You don't have to reward foolish CEOs who can't figure out male and female, who don't know biology. You can go give Walmart a little more business. That's your prerogative. That ain't going to change much. How do you respond to the president's edict? All public school people, doesn't matter, whatever you identify as, boy, girl, just go into the bathroom of your choice. How do you respond to something foolish like that? You endure that. He doesn't know the truth. He doesn't understand what's true. We do. We get the truth. We're Christians. We know truth. By the way, not everybody that claims to be a Christian out there is a Christian. You know that, right? This isn't a black-white thing. This is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil. There are a lot of people on the right and a lot of people on the left that claim the mantle of Jesus, and they know the foggiest idea what they're talking about. No idea at all what they're talking about. And you can tell by their fruits. This is clear-cut stuff, so clear that pagans from past generations understood this. It didn't even take the Spirit of God to understand male and female. Who thought you'd go to seminary and learn Hebrew and Greek and all this stuff and you'd have to stand in the pulpit and say, male is male and female is female. Whoa, what a radical thought. 
preach it, pastor. <laughs> Our president doesn't know. He doesn't get it. The Supreme Court doesn't know. More and more people don't. They're just, just flowing with the deception of the age, the spirit of the age. Brothers and sisters, tolerance is not love. Doing what's right for people is love. If you eliminate truth, love evaporates. It's gone. There is no love. Tolerance is just a blob. It means nothing. We need perseverance. We need strong men and women for God. Get past your political allegiances. Get past all that stuff. Live for Christ. We can't be people who mope and whine. We have to stand and speak strongly for Christ. One of these days, one of you is going to speak up reverently and gently, I'll add, in your workplace and get fired. That's right. And then it's going to be a test for the rest of the body of Christ. What are you going to do to help with that brother or that sister? That's what's coming. We have to be courageous, dauntless, standing by grace, Christian endurance, no shame. We believe in the Bible and common sense and biology. What is it that makes us strong? The coming of the Lord is near. How near is it? I wish I could tell you. God doesn't want us to know. Not even the Son of Man knew. But here he says he's right at the door, the doorknob starting to turn. And when Jesus returns, no one will be a pluralist. No one will be a postmodern. They'll all get wiped away. Fools. They didn't know the world in which they lived. Sure, we can protest. We can shop elsewhere. We can do all that. That's our prerogative. But our main response is strengthen our hearts in truth and hope. Get more intense with the work of the Lord. The coming of the Lord is indeed near. And gidzo is the word. It's the same word interestingly used. Jesus and John the Baptist, they arrived in Israel and said, repent for the kingdom of God is drawn near. Matthew 3, 2. That nearness of the Lord's coming has to be understood with the divine clock, not the human clock. For with the Lord, a day is as what? A thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Salvation history is the context here. What's the next thing that God is going to do on the planet? Answer, the coming of the Lord in two stages, the rapture and the, the full presence of him in the second coming. It's redemptive history. It's the last stage before the end. We're in the last of the last days. The Lord could come at any time. He's right at the door. That expresses the doctrine of imminency. At any moment in time, in any year, any month, any week, any day, Jesus Christ can return and nothing will stop him. And it is only the choice of the Father of that day. That's it. That's called imminency. The church has lived with this expectation of the imminent return of Christ for 2,000 years. It's always maintained its belief that Christ could come back in any generation. We should have that expectation as well. Even if it doesn't happen in our lives, we live as if it will happen. This is what God wants. He wants us riveted on his return. He should be the love of our life. He should be the goal of our work. He should be the apple of our eye. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought you at the revealing of Jesus Christ. Imminency demands that we're always thinking about it. We're always prepared, like the Boy Scouts, right? Except they're not actually prepared because they kicked out the doctrine of Christ. It's only those that know, unlike the foolish virgins, unlike the wise virgins, when Christ comes back, be looking for him, be ready, because he's coming. 
Be on the alert, for you do not know the day nor the hour, Jesus said in Matthew 25. Indeed, anyone who is not ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ is a fool. God forbid the church not be ready. God forbid the church be asleep. God forbid the church is chasing after other goals or is moaning about this or that. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light, Romans 13, 12. The end of all things is engidzo, near, 1 Peter 4, 7. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Let me help you out with this. Time passes much more quickly when you're riveted on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Tasker says the thought of eternity so dominates and controls the thought of time that in his reckoning, time seems to be a short time. Stay focused there and it'll go by fast. MacArthur writes, the obvious idea of this exhortation is that believers should realize that their trouble is temporary. It will end when Jesus returns. Though Jesus would not return in the lifetime of the recipients of this epistle, nor in the lifetimes of millions of other believers who have lived and died since, no one has known when he will. All may live in the anticipation that he may come at any moment. This argues for imminency, the idea that the next event on God's schedule for Christ is the deliverance of believers from this world with all of its trouble. Be convinced of that. Have you ever spent time meditating on that thought alone? Just take a day, take a week, take some time and meditate on what it means, what it will look like, what it will be for your life when Jesus Christ comes. Picture that. Understand that. Now, turn yourself around and look back at your life and look at the decisions you're making and order everything according to that day because one day, that day is coming and you're going to wish you had as a believer. You need a firm faith now that believes that and that leads and makes your decisions for the future. And by the way, some of you are not good on attending church it says, let us not forsake our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews 10.25. Have a conviction about the second coming. He's coming. Strengthen your hearts in hope. Get busy serving the Lord. I think one of the reasons people are so angered by politics these days is they've invested so much in the kingdom here and now. Who cares who wins the election? It won't be a godly person either way, even if you got the one you wanted. Because if you're really godly, you know what you believe? You need to believe you preach the gospel. Gee whiz, if I were president, I'd spend more time preaching the gospel than doing anything else. And you know what? They'd have to listen. <laughs> right? What a pulpit they have and don't use. Jesus has made a determination to bring in his own order, his own government. I'm going to invest in that. I'm going to wait for that. I'm excited about that. How the church has diluted its hope. Some half-baked transformation of human society. Don't join them in their investments. It's for losers. Join Christ in his kingdom. I don't want you to be a loser. That hope has to burn inside of you, brethren. It has to burn inside of you. Some of you let that hope burn very low. That needs to be rekindled. It needs to burn brighter. The second coming of Christ is not an interesting doctrine. It controls the way you live. Or you don't get it. And we'll talk more about it next time so you get it more. 
Father, we just pray that you would uh, work powerfully by impressing this truth into our hearts. Put those nails of your spirit and truth into our mind that we might not walk away from it and start worrying our mind and being bothered about so many lesser things. Erupt in us, Lord, the confidence in your coming. May it change all of us all the way through this church and control us in our decision-making. For Christ's sake, amen. Not only is it important to, you can fill in the blank here, but it's also important to strengthen your very soul. This muscle holds your faith, convictions, feelings. When you grow close to God, it's harder for the world to sneak in and make you believe Jesus isn't coming again. Tune in next time to hear Pastor Tom relate the rain as being the faithfulness of God and as a strong heart being the garden that grows confidence. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leake, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit hopebible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. The world's pressures can squash you like a bug. Do you agree? Some people complain, others don't. This is the second action you can implement into your life as you keep in front of you God's promise that He'll return. Don't grumble. Pastor Tom will encourage you to not turn on your friends and family because of life's burdens, so be sure to tune in next time. This is a big deal and can be very harmful. There's much more to learn from the book of James, so we hope you'll tune in next time. If you'd like to listen again to today's teaching or share it with friends and family, you'll find it online at hopebible.org. Thanks for joining us on Discover Hope.